It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. <clears throat> Given that we talk about sexuality all the time, it's the thing that drives the majority of movies. There's always a sex twist or attraction or, you know, an illicit attraction or that shouldn't be happening. I thought I would talk today on something that I've never actually really discussed. And that is, what do you feel is your sexual legacy? What are the messages and attitudes and statements that define who you are in the sexual legacy you are creating right now and that you will leave behind. Because even though people think they may not be doing that, believe you, me, you are. With every person you come in contact with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the reason I say this is because so many times people will say they got certain messages or certain statements that other family members or other people may not have even known that they made. And yet the impact on the other person is lifelong. And it's invariably something of a shaming, blaming, or from a very strict, typically religious statement. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. The main reason for the majority of religious attitudes is to control female sexuality. Who can have sex, who they can be connected to. And, you know, let's be really honest that when you control, and it, what is sex after all? It's the ability to create connection. It is the ability to create life. It is the ability to create bonds that are often lifelong. So if you have the ability to create life and love, I don't think it gets much stronger than that or bigger than that. And as I always say, if there's something more powerful than that, sign me up because I want to know about it. Yet, what do most religions do? The biggest thing they try to do is to control female sexuality. So that's a legacy. And as a friend of mine who is a born-again minister said, he said, we know we have done an absolutely horrible job 
when it comes to dealing with sexuality within religion. We have not done a good job. And just about any group will, you know, second that comment. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. And just think about them sort of, you know, however you'd like to. But what I'd like you to consider is if you, what is your sexual legacy and are you a role model for people of what they might want to be or what they don't want to be? And in almost every instance, when people have the ability to have someone who is very clear on what is important for them or and, and they are kind about it. Because the main reason that people have these scars and things from discussions about sexuality is because someone told them there was something wrong about them when they didn't even know what was going on. I'll just use an example. What do you think most people think of Mike Tyson? What's happening with Mike Tyson? Most people think, okay, he's incredibly angry, he was out of control, he was a street thug, and yes, those things were a presentation. However, what many people did not know, and he only spoke about this recently, is that as a young boy, he was like dragged off the street and abused by a man who never really saw again, and he never told anyone. And that impacted him in a way, you know, he, he only now is he able to, you know, talk about it. He said, I never told anyone. And where he put his care and attention was to his pigeons. He had prized pigeons. And one of the things that had him snap is these guys were bullying him, and the one guy took his pigeon and literally broke its neck right in front of him. And he lost it. And that was when he first was, you know, physically went after someone. Well, needless to say, we have an idea of where that went from there, but no one, he did not even have the ability to talk to anyone about it. And I'm going to probably in the next segment um, speak of a gentleman who is a colleague of mine and did a phenomenal article on <clears throat> what happens for uh, men who have been uh, sexually abused, and I believe the title, title is Sexual Disorientation of Male Abuse Survivors. And there are so many more than people have any idea. Again, like Mike Tyson, they don't talk about it. But part of his legacy now is to talk about it and say, this happened to me, I'm not and he's not alone in this. But in the same way that, oh, what can I think of his name? I think it's Aaron Carter who has just come out and said that he is bisexual and he wants, he has to just be who he is. There are two areas about sexual experiences that rarely get spoken about. One of them is men who talk about sexual, who ha talk about having been sexually abused, and the other is men who are bisexual. It is much more okay for women to be bisexual. It's kind of that, oh, well, she's experimenting, versus, well, he must be gay and he's trying to cover it up. 
And that's not the case. For the men I know who are bisexual, it truly is something that they didn't understand, but it makes it easier for them to have the world identify them as being straight or gay, depending on who they might be in a current relationship with. But they know that they have a gender attraction fluidity. And it isn't something that they're fabricating. It is genuinely there. And, I I mean, I've known this for years, and I know it's until someone knows someone who has the courage, the sexual legacy, to say this is what they are, people aren't going to talk about it. So there's a group called the American Bisexuality Institute, and it was founded by a gentleman by the name, excuse me, he's a Ph.D., by the name of Fritz Klein. And he looked at that there was such a, a much broader range of who and what people are attracted to and that the someone's you know, gender identification can adjust and shift depending on where they are in their life and what's happening in their life. also happens on occasion for women and, and, and invariably, when they're in their 40s or 50s, and it blindsides them. They never consider themselves to be um, attracted to women or a lesbian, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. So when I talk about someone's sexual legacy, I'm not talking about what the performance factor is. Some people might, but that is but one component of what your sexuality is. Do you enjoy where you feel you are at this point in your life. Are you someone who is, you know, gentle with yourself when you don't understand something? Is your sexual legacy to be very judgmental? And that's not, what that will do is keep you from being able to hear other information. You don't have to agree with everything. Goodness sakes, you know, Why would you want to go to a restaurant and order something you don't enjoy? Don't do it. Your sexuality is also an appetite. So choose what works for you. Uh, You know, we hear enough stories of people who know they shouldn't be married or in a relationship, but because of their culture and because of what they are told, they do. Now, imagine spending your entire life being in a relationship where... You do not have a heart and a passion, but you do have a duty and obligation. That's called arranged marriage, in essence. And you may love the person, but this is you are not supposed to spend your life in a gray zone. Your legacy is about having clarity, is about having a vision of how you want to leave this world a better place. That's what legacy is. If you want your legacy to be something that's really screwed up, that's up to you. (laughs) Have at it. But I know for the majority of people, they really want to make a difference in this world. And many times it happens as a result of losing someone very special to them, a death in the family, the end of a relationship, and they start to look at what is important. And they also are not willing to put up with crap anymore. They're like, I'm done with that. I cannot be that anymore. It's just, it's too much effort to try and hide who I am. And I'll talk about someone in the next upcoming segment who two of them actually 
who are examples of transgender in the military. And for both of them, to say that it was um, a difficult decision is an understatement, but it is something that they could not, they literally did not feel okay in their own skin. So we're coming up to our first break. The subject for today is what will be your sexual legacy? I'm going to come back, talk about two people. Here come the tunes, and you will not want to miss this. Be right back. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hug him a dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to hypothermia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that it's never too late to start a strength training program. Lifting weights is an important part of your overall fitness routine. Harvard Medical School says that muscle tissue and bone density dwindle over the years. Muscle power does also. These changes open the door to accidents and injuries that can compromise your ability to lead an active and independent life. They state that strength training is the most effective way to slow and possibly reverse much of this decline. As you age, you do not have to get weaker. You don't have to be feeble. You don't have to lose your balance. The good news is the risk of these problems can be reduced by a fitness routine that includes strength training. So no matter what your age, you need to be pumping iron. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard. This is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back again. As I say regularly, if you have any questions, the best place to send them is to my personal email, office at loupaget.com, and that's office the normal way at L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T dot com. 
And what my show is about today is what will be your sexual legacy? Before the break, I spoke of two people that I knew who had been in the military, uh, ranking levels and officer levels, and came out as transgender. Now, was this an easy decision for either of them? Uh, hell no. And I'll start with a woman by the name of Dr. Christine McGinn, and that's M-C-G-I-N-N. <clears throat> she was a, uh, I believe she was a naval surgeon. She was a surgeon in the military, and she knew that, and had been married, was a very, very good-looking guy, um, and when she made the decision to transition, she was leaving the military, she was, you know, retiring out and made sure that, and as a surgeon, of course, she knows what she, if she wishes to do the sexual reassignment, she's, or or gender confirming, I should say is how it should be referred to, that she knew that what she was going to be up against, she also knew that, because this was 15, 20 years ago when Christine did this. Yet, she served in the military. She, you know, honorable discharge. So when Trump came forward and said transgenders should not be allowed to serve in the military, she was one of the first who came forward and said, I will have that discussion with him. He needs to be educated. If you want to check out Christine, um, it's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, and her surname is McGinn M. Capital G I N N. And as a surgeon, she now works with people who are wanting to have gender confirming surgery because there are very few physicians who do it. Um, there is a gentleman in Chicago by the name of Dr. Lauren Schechter. So for both of these physicians, their sexual legacy is that they are working with people to help them and give them the life that they have wanted all along. And for any person I know who is transgender, and admittedly, because I'm in the area of sexuality, and I'm someone who, excuse me, I have a range of people of all kinds of different orientations and values around me, I'm surrounded by more people who are transgender. And one of the reasons for that is that our organizations are one of the few places where they feel safe. And so if someone is saying, you know, there's a show on, I think it's TLC, called My Name is Jazz, and she did an interview with this very right wing, I think her name is Tammy Logren, and I'm thinking to myself, what in God's name makes Tammy Logren think she has the ability to talk about transgender and anything in the area of sexuality? I've never heard someone who is, has more strident opinions in an angry way. But that's, you know, more power to you, Tammy. That's your sexual legacy, being strident and angry. Anyway, the other person I'd like to speak about is a woman by the name of Jennifer Pritzker. And Jennifer, if you want to see a great article 
right after uh, Trump had made the statement, and listen, I'm not Trump or Clinton. I'm neither. <clears throat> but right after he put in that, you know, transgender should not serve in the military, Jennifer is a retired lieutenant colonel, and she literally wrote that every day in the military she had to wake up and have the feeling of going in the face of who she truly felt she was and having to always be on guard. And I remember when she shared with me, she said, my sexuality has been something that has produced three beautiful children. And yet it's also something that has caused me confusion and pain. And because she comes from a very high-profile family, it was not until her father died that she publicly and legally came forward as Jennifer, Jennifer Nahalia Fitzger. But what she also did in this article, it was in the Chicago Times, and she, Chicago Tribune, the main Chicago paper, because that, she lives in Chicago. And she said she would be willing to sit down with President Trump and, you know, give him an education on this. And this would be her as an even more wealthy billionaire talking to Trump because she has more money than Trump. And she also has, you know, dealt with a whole range of her. I remember she one time said to me, her number one fantasy would be to be able to walk into the ladies' locker room of this very exclusive club that she belongs to in Chicago, and it would be there would be nothing noticed. It would she would just be accepted as that. And so, when I first met her, she was part of a council that I'm on. So I've only ever known her as Jennifer. And again, talking about a safe place, we were one of the first groups that she could be herself the entire time. So she didn't have to change back into male-identified clothing when she went back to her, you know, when she went out for dinner or when she went somewhere outside of the meetings that we were having. And this is, you know, the Leadership Council for the University of Minnesota. It's a fundraising group. So for the, both of these women, they have both served honorably, in the military, they are both transgender, and they would be willing to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trump and give him an appropriate education. And I don't know if he hides behind the guise of I'm a good Catholic, and that's why he says these things, but I will tell you, this is not something that is, it's not a, it, it's not a flippant or easy decision for these people to make. But their legacy, their sexual legacy, is that they had the courage to do it. And, and that is amazing. For both of them, I give them a high five and kudos. I also know in the same way for my friends who are gay and their legacy was to come out when they were young, when nobody else was. And yet for one of them, I know there happened to be two sons in the family who were gay and the older brother, having done so, made it much easier for the younger brother. 
Now, just because one brother is gay does not mean the other brother is gay, okay? Sexual legacy is, it's not genetically identified. It could be, but I know of identical twins where one is straight and one is gay. I also know where they are both straight or they are both gay. And I'm aware of that because I'm an identical twin, so I pick up identical twin stories all the time. Now, going back to who might you be for your sexual legacy? Are you the person who can talk about sexuality easily? Is your legacy that you are the person that people can go to and ask a question? And honestly, that's how I first started doing what I'm doing. It wasn't that I was saying one had to do this or one had to do that, but I was someone who had the sciences background, so I knew when they were asking me a question that I knew enough about bodies and enough about um, function that when people would ask something, I could sort of pull the pieces together and go, oh, here's why, and this is what's happening. So that was how I first got into this, and then my roommate saying, you've got to share this with other people. And I was like, uh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want people to know I know this much. And she said, but, and she was in med school. And she said, but they don't teach us anything. I was like, now that is tragic. And I will tell you, that was 20 years ago at least. So when I ask you to look at your sexual legacy, it may be that you are a person who, you know, you can be spoken to easily or you, you, you know, the information is easy for you to talk about. It may be because you're comfortable talking about your own experiences or it may be that someone else that you grew up with was very comfortable talking about it. And where would that be for most people? Because the legacy that often happens within families is the uptightness factor and I can't talk about it factor just gets taken, you know, goes from one to the next. Because where do we learn our communication skills? From our parents, right? And from those around us. So, or it may be that you grew up in a different culture. Many Northern Europeans are much less uptight about sexuality and their bodies than we in North America are. We are, we get so unhinged about seeing an erect nipple through a shirt. I mean, get over it. <laughs> Everyone has a pair of them. Some have more. <laughs> and big deal. So, yeah, I just reminded, Farrah Fawcett sold millions of posters based on very large erect nipples. Now, we're coming up to our second break here. The show we're talking about today is what will be your sexual legacy? And I'm going to talk about the, you know, for people who had things happen to them and how they've changed that for the better for others. And we'll talk about Joe Court stuff right after this break. This is 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. wondered where the terms used in computer speak originated? The word cookie, that packet of information that travels between a browser and web server, is named after the fortune cookie, a cookie with an embedded message. Rebooting the computer is literally pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. The name Google was originally coined in 1938 by Milton Sirota, nephew of mathematician Edward Kasner, during a discussion of large numbers. Uh, Google is the number one, followed by 100 zeros. The word Yahoo was originally invented by Jonathan Swift and used in his book Gulliver's Travels. It's a derogatory term for a person who is repulsive in appearance. Yahoo founders Terry Yang and David Philo selected the name because they considered themselves Yahoos. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Even with all the research that's available to us, I still hear women ask if weightlifting will make them masculine. The truth is, rather than causing women to build bigger muscles, weight training generally creates a tighter physique. Doing weights properly and consistently will give you firmer legs, shapelier and sculpted arms, in addition to a flatter abdomen. When I am working with women clients, we always include weightlifting in our fitness program because instead of making them look bigger, we sculpt their body to make them look smaller and tighter. Men, on the other hand, have much more testosterone than women, and when men lift heavy weights, they actually grow larger and stronger. It's been said that women produce one-tenth of the amount of testosterone that men produce, so the effects of weight training are very different. Include weightlifting in your daily exercise and enjoy the results. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. For today's show, uh, as I said at the uh, end of the last segment, my topic is what would be your sexual legacy? And one of the things I think we have to be aware of is whose sexual legacy are you living? Is it actually yours, or is it someone else's, or is it what you think you should be doing? And many times, people sort of don't stop to sort of tease that out. I mean, I'll use myself um, as an example here. I was raised with a mother who would make comments that, you know, sexuality is something that's very natural, and, you know, and then, but she was so unbelievably uptight about it so that you got the verbal message but the behavioral legacy message was not that at all. So what I'm going to talk about right now, as I said, you know, the um, is information 
from a gentleman by the name of Joe Court. And he is a Ph.D., and he has a psychotherapy practice. And I'm just going to read this article. It was published, uh, uh, here's, it's published here in the Good Men Project, but it is uh, the sexual disorientation of male sex abuse survivors. And it's a very complicated area. So the legacy of this and the legacy of Joe's article for this is so powerful. There is um, another gentleman, oh, Stephen Braverman, who is in Northern California. And he first introduced me. He's also a therapist and uh, sexuality therapist. He first introduced me to the numbers of men who have been abused and how they have no place to go. Oprah Winfrey's one of her comments was, without a doubt, in all of her thousands of shows that she did, one of the most powerful that she ever did was one of close to the last shows she did. And that was where she had the whole room filled with men who were sex abuse survivors. And these men were sitting there holding the pictures of the age that they were when they were abused. And some of them were tiny babies. Some of them were just little boys. And, you know, the, one of the things that I am aware of is that it is so much more common than people have any idea. So uh, this is Joe's article. And I'm just going to read it as it is here on the Good Men Project because I couldn't, I couldn't say this any better. And after I read it, I Facebooked him and I said, Thank you so much, because what he did is he helped me understand what had happened in a previous relationship with someone who I know had been abused, but the only time I ever knew about it is it was only spoken about one time when he got really, really drunk. And to say that it impacted the rest of his life is an understatement. So, when we know that one in six boys before the age of 18 is sexually abused, this is why I want to talk about this. Because it doesn't just, and it doesn't just switches, you know, orientation or anything like that, but it is something that it, it, it's there. It's on their soul. So, Joe has made a very uh, concerted effort to help and work with these men. So, this is Joe Court speaking. In my psychotherapy practice, I've been addressing the many-faceted issue of straight men who have gay sex, how easy it may be to conclude that such men are gay or bisexual and simply in denial of their true sexual orientation. But this may not be the case. What we find instead is that memories about the abuse from another male can become eroticized for a man which then compels him to seek out same-sex encounters or porn. This does not mean he's gay or bisexual, though he may have enduring fantasies about gay sex. Childhood sexual abuse of boys perpetrated by another male may lead a man to again and again seek out sexual encounters with men in an unconscious effort to resolve the guilt and shame he feels 
about the original encounter. And remember, when these when this is happening, and this is what Mike Tyson talked about, he didn't have any idea of what was going on. He had no clue. And there's other men who said, you know, I, I didn't know that this what this is what was happening to me. I mean, this is you know the predatory nature of these these men who are preying on these young boys or young girls. <clears throat> uh, so, returning to the scene of the sexual crime is the title of this next section. A boy who has become traumatized from such an event usually becomes quite adept in adulthood at compartmentalizing, so much so that he may even forget that he has these compulsions until they are upon him again. He has a shame imprint that prevents him from talking about this with anyone, until, of course, his behavior has brought about some crisis in his heterosexual relationship. And that's what is happening to this person who I knew. It was creating a huge crisis in his marriage. And perhaps his partner has discovered some of these secret encounters, or the man is having intimacy problems, trouble getting or keeping an erection, or reaching orgasm. I encounter more of these situations in my, and again, this is Dr. Joe Court um, article that I'm reading here. I encounter more of these situations in my office than you might imagine. I have found that the first step is to see the man who has been abused in childhood in individual therapy, working through his grief and his anger at the loss of innocent sexual development. I have to tell you, that's huge. Helping him understand how his own sexuality was eclipsed by the sexuality of the perpetrator, leaving him sexually disoriented. And that's the title of this article, Sexual Disorientation of Male Sex Abuse Survivors. He knows that he is straight, but continues to try unconsciously to resolve the tension between his fantasies and his sexual identity by seeking out these gay sexual encounters. We tend to confuse behavior with identity, but this is not always the case. So this is this next title in Joe Court's article. Sexual abuse will not orient you. It will disorient you. And you can find Joe on Facebook, and Court is spelled K-O-R-T, Joe, J-O-E. A man returning from encounters that don't match his core sexual identity may struggle for hours or days over such questions as, Am I gay or bi? When in fact, he is neither, nor is he a sex addict. Rather, he is compelled to return to the scene of the sexual crime, becoming the little boy trying to figure out why it happened. Was it something about me that made him pick me? Did I want it? Was there something I did or said to him, you know, for him to get him to do this to me? Did this make me gay or bisexual, and am I suppressing it? Sex abuse might impact his erotic interests, but this is not the same as orientation. Sexual orientation determines what a man is attracted to, whether it be a man, a woman, both, or even exotic combinations of gender characteristics. Erotic interest is different. It captures the sexual fantasies and erotic situations one is turned on by. Gender may be less important here. Bringing the compulsion out of the shadows 
out of the shadows can help put the man in conscious control instead of under the unconscious control of the compulsion. So again, removing, this is Lou speaking, removing the shadow or not spoken about nature of this. Back to Joe Cord's article. This is not to say that the fantasies will then go away. They are early imprints that have been eroticized and will likely be with him for life. The goal is to take mastery of the behavior so that you're not acting out anymore against your own will. The next step in therapy is to get the client into a men's sexual abuse group. That's what um, Dr. Stephen Braverman in Northern California has done. I believe he's like in um, uh, up by, shoot, um, golf area. He's up in that area. And he has so many men in his therapy program. There aren't very men, very many men's sexual, uh, men's sexual abuse groups. Joe Court again. I often find that men who have experienced childhood sexual abuse have been silent about it throughout their life. Just remember what you know, uh, Mike Tyson went through. Being able to openly talk about with other men helps reduce the shame, which is huge. Victims of, se- of childhood sexual abuse will typically carry the shame of the perpetrator as well as their own. Getting up from behind the wall of secrecy is necessary if one is to successfully shed the shame. Next, I get the man and his partner into couples therapy to work on intimacy issues. So trauma, uh, you know, reenactment versus trauma play. Now, we are coming up to our next break, and what I'm reading here is an article from Dr. Joe Cord. He's a PhD. I believe Joe is, for some reason, I think he's in Pennsylvania area, but he's um, Eastern uh, located, and you can find him on Facebook. This is, to me, when we talk about sexual legacy, the sexual legacy that happens for people who have been abused is they, it happens when they, you know, they're tabula rasa. They're little kids. They're a blank slate. And something gets laid down that may feel really good, but they don't know how to interpret it, and they don't know how to put the boundaries in place. And they don't know how to, it, it's something that is really strips them of their, sexual innocence. And when I come back, I will finish this article and then go on to being fearless about your own sexual legacy and orientation. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many of us look forward to the holidays all year long. It is such a magnificent opportunity to get together with family and friends and decorate and give gifts and eat the most delicious food. But numerous people dread the holidays 
As far as their weight, health, and exercise are concerned, they know they'll have so much temptation and chances to derail their healthy lifestyle. Many just resolve themselves into thinking that gaining weight over the holidays is a fact and there is no way to avoid it. But it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to embrace the holidays. Have a plan before you go to any dinner, party, or event and decide what you're going to eat and stick with it. Yes, there will be temptation, but you can overcome it. Stay with the plan and reap the benefits. You can contact us at fitnessminute at annettehammond.com. This is the Tokenet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman who's sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Again, today's show is what will be your sexual legacy? And I'm going to use a couple of examples right now. Oh, first, let me just finish the Joe Court article. And this is uh, currently online at the Good Men Project. And what it's talking about, the title of it, is Sexual Disorientation of Male Sex Abuse Survivors. And Joe, as a therapist, sees men in his practice all the time who are dealing with this given that, you know, one in six men before the age of 18 has been sexually abused by a man. So here's what uh, we're talking about. The next segment that he talked about is trauma reenactment versus trauma play. And he's gone through the work with the man, getting him so that he is um, hopefully into a group with uh, other men who have uh, experienced sexual abuse as a child, getting rid of the shame of that. And then he works with the partner, with the man, in couples therapy. So again, the next segment he talks about is trauma reenactment versus trauma play. And finally, in most instances, some parts of the eroticization of abuse remain. In other words, something that was introduced to him during the abuse has now become part of his sexual fantasies and preferences. And many therapists believe that if the male survivor continues to eroticize anything that came from the abuse, they are unhealed. This is wrong, exclamation point. 
From a sexual health perspective, even after healing from trauma, one goes from trauma reenactment to trauma play. And the origin of the fantasy may come from abuse, but now it's about play and him being in charge of it. And my system has just frozen. Wretched device. Uh, let me see if we can get this going. Here we go. Come on. Um, so again, this is Joe Court's article, and he talks about how these men can literally heal themselves. So let me, here we go, finally. Of course, this would always happen. <laughs> uh, this, okay, from a sexual health perspective, even after healing from trauma, one goes from trauma reenactment to trauma play. The origin of the fantasy might come from the abuse, but now it's about play and mastery. I help clients learn to enjoy these fantasies and eliminate the shame around them. That is a huge sentence. Enjoy their fantasies and eliminate the shame around them. We, we as human beings, this is Lou speaking, are unbelievably effective at downloading information. We are better than any computer because we have so much that we download that goes into our subconscious and we don't even know that's running what we're doing. Do you realize that 85% of what you do during the day is subconscious? You're not even thinking about it? Truly. I mean, it's like when you get out of the bed, you don't have to think about walking. You just walk. That's, you know, one example. But, however, uh, most choose, this is Joe speaking, and most choose to keep them as fantasies and watch this kind of pornography and masturbate or even talk aloud about the fantasies with understanding partners. On another important note, gay and bisexual men who have been sexually abused become sexually disoriented as well. The disorientation postpones their coming out process and keeps them from knowing their real sexual identity because, as I have found, the perpetrator's sexual interests have eclipsed the victim's real identity. So understanding the complicated world of sexual behavior and how it plays out in individuals can be fascinating and rewarding work. So much of what people long for, fantasize about, or do in private has been taboo for so long that sometimes it feels like we have, we have barely begun to understand the depth and breadth of this most basic aspect of our human nature, human behavior. As a sex therapist, I'm privileged to have a daily window into what world, into that world, and I'm often amazed and humbled by what I see. And if you want more resources on male survivors, you can go to www.malesurvivor.org. Also read the chapters, you know, he has contributed on this topic titled Sexual After Effects in the Male Survivor of Childhood Sexual Abuse, Orientation, Confusion, Compulsions, Kinky Sexual Interests, and dysfunctions in his forthcoming book, Understanding the Sexual Betrayal of Boys and Men, the Trauma of Sexual Abuse, and you can pre-order it if you want. So the, his sexual legacy, Joe's sexual legacy, is working with these men who may identify as being straight or they may identify as being straight or, uh, pardon me, gay or bi, but they have had a disorientation as a result of what happened to them when they were, you know, young boys. Now, let's go back and look at the, another thing that you might consider looking at is how fearless are you about your sexual 
orientation. And it may be super scary. It may also be that you're getting bullied for it. And the sexual legacy of someone who I think is absolutely outstanding is a gentleman by the name of Dan Savage. And he writes the Savage Report. How perfect. And he came out um, uh, when he, I think he was still in high school, but his husband was, had not really come out, but he was horrendously bullied when he was in um, high school. And they created, as a result of this, and if I'm not mistaken, it was after Matthew Shepard was so savagely beaten and left for dead by these four other, his peers, and I think it was in North Dakota somewhere, that Dan and his husband created It Gets Better, it, the It Gets Better project. And what they did is they talked about, it was something that they said, look, we, their, their mission is to communicate to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender youth around the world that it does get better and that you can be, create change in your life. You can create, you know, a life where you are loved. Many times when it comes to anyone who is young and says, well, I, I think I'm gay, what will often happen is they were put into something called reparative therapy, which is neither therapy nor is it reparative. And it's often done within a church, you know, uh, basement conduct where someone is told you'll never be loved, uh, the Lord will not like you, you will never have a life of anything. So, and here's what happens is you, your heart knows what your heart wants. It's a completely separate entity from your brain. It really is. And it's something that it has, you know, as many neurons in it as your brain does. So it thinks it has its own, it has its own capacity to react to the environment. But what Dan, and what is his husband's name? Let me see if I can find that out. But he, the two of them, they did a great first video. And it's, you know, big YouTube. And it's, you know, creating a life worth living. And when they first did it, and his husband's name is Terry Miller, when they first did it, it was what they were dealing with also was in response to the suicides of teenagers who were being bullied. And they just said, something has to be done about this because they, are, you know, no one is being able to reach these kids. There is also another thing for those who created sexual legacy to help those who are dealing with something that's different or changing is called the Trevor Project, T-R-E-V-O-R. Now, one of the sexual legacies of the Internet, hey, hey, is that it has allowed more people to connect with others that have, you know, that are not in their small, you know, their smaller communities in the area where... You know, they could be at risk. And this is something where they then have their, they then can create a community that is private who understands them. And for these kids, that is huge, absolutely huge. 
So again, another thing, the sexual legacy of the Internet, it's a Belgian guy, and I can't remember um, something like he's Belgian, but he's the guy who created the servers that started presenting all of the free online porn. So now this is something where it's like 80% of all online porn streams through this guy's servers. And, you know, he's basically ripped the guts out from what is happening within the porn production areas, Simi Valley or Sleazy Valley, here in Los Angeles because he is providing something that as a student in Belgium in the early in late 90s, he wanted to figure out a way. You know, people wanted porn and they wanted to have a way to get to it, and he made that possible. So the Internet has been a tremendous source of sexual legacy for a number of people, whether it is what they are wanting to tell people, what they want to share with people, how they want to give someone um, a, an audience or a peer group or something, you know, that is a goal to make someone feel more comfortable. And, you know, there is a website, by the way, called, you know, the It Gets Better Project for those who are interested. Now, we're coming up to our final break. And what I'm going to talk about in this final section is who is your sexual legacy for? Now, you, children, and, you know, this is, you know, this is the end. So we're coming up to our final segment. I'll be, oops, this is our last segment. <laughs> Take care. Bye for now. <laughs> for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 